Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And today we're talking about making your own comedy special, a case study on Christian Finnegan's Show Your Work, which comes out October 19th. This is episode 88 of the Arts Academy podcast, How to Produce a Comedy Special with Victor Varnado and Rachel Teichman. Hey, everybody. It is the Arts Academy podcast. We are glad to have you here, and we're glad to be back. We have a hi- we had a hiatus for a couple of weeks uh, because we had a little bit of a changing of the guard. Also, uh, we were very, very busy working on stuff. Uh, one of the things we were working on was delivering the master to Christian Finnegan's new special show, Your Work. So this first episode is all about how to make a special, and we're going to talk about how Christian Finnegan's special was made. All right, so let's get started. Three things you have to consider about a comedy special. Camera, lights, and sound. That's the uh, three things that you have to consider. How is it going to be filmed? Uh, how is it going to be lit? And how is it going to sound? Uh, with a comedy special, I would say that probably the most important thing is actually sound. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't we talk about sound first, and then we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about camera, and then we'll talk about lighting, and then setting. All right. So let's talk about sound first. So with a comedy special, the things that are the most important are the performer's uh, vocal mic. Uh, that recording, and then secondarily, the audience, uh, the audience, uh, I guess, laughter and reaction. And to record each of those, uh, this is how Christian Finnegan's was recorded. Christian Finnegan's was recorded where we didn't have a dedicated sound person, so basically the budget was so low that we had to double up on some duties and so i actually became the sound person and the director but we didn't have we didn't have the ability to monitor sound uh while the production was taking place normally if you have a if you have a bigger budget what you'll do is you'll have a sound person who will listen to the performance as it's happening and then they will like ride the sound a, a little the levers a little bit if they're if it's necessary i'm actually motioning like this you couldn't see it because it's below camera so i was riding riding the levers this is what riding the levers looks like what do you think of that uh it's definitely a good pantomime great anyway so uh if you have a budget then a sound person would ride the levers and if you don't have a budget and you don't have the ability to have a sound person on, then you can do what I did for Christian Finnegan's special, which is I recorded the sound to two sources. In fact, in in fact, in the future, it would probably be a better idea to record the sound to like several sources. Uh, just if you don't have somebody monitoring, you want backups upon backups. But I was confident enough in my skills that I could record the sound with these two sources. And then one source, the sound was recorded loud, and then the second source, the sound was recorded softly. Um, uh, why did I do that? What do you think, Rachel? Why did I do that? So that you could have a mix of sound qualities because you were only doing two. But what what problem does that solve? Uh, well, when you go to try to mix it, if the high one maxed out, then... Uh, you would have the lower one to rely on and wrong. Okay. I'm just kidding. That's absolutely correct. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that's absolutely right. Meaning that. So if, if the comedian, if the comedian in this case, like yells into the microphone and the, and it blows out the high one, then you've got the low recording. Or if the comedian is, uh, if the comedian is whispering and it doesn't, it doesn't come across on the low recording, you've got the one where the, gain is turned up so you just are hedging your bets by making one of the audio recordings higher and one of the audio recording lower and the audio that i'm speaking of is the vocal mic so basically the 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 sound went to from the stage to a mixing board and then from the mixing board 
uh, we had the monitor out on the mixing board, and the monitor out on the mixing board went to um, uh, the recorders, and the, the signal was split, and then one recorder was quarter recording with low gain, and one recorder was recording with high gain. And then when I, when I give that to the sound mixer at the end in post-production, then they have both of those to play with. In actuality, they only had to use one of the sound uh, tracks, but we were just covered just in case. Cool. Which is a good thing uh, to have done. All right. And so uh, then the next thing is recording the audience. Now, with a big budget, and we're going to talk about um, a special that we have that is going to be on its way out still. <laughs> we're working on still getting its way out, but it's bring back last. But we, had a, we had a bigger budget for that. And then in that case, we had a sound, uh, we had uh, mini stereo mics planted in the audience in, in varying places to get the audience uh, reaction sound. So we had like maybe six to eight tracks of audience sound, like, and, and, and the tracks are labeled where the mics were positioned in the room. And then those tracks uh, can be mixed in a myriad of different ways to give you the audience reaction. Uh, and and uh, that's pretty simple. Uh, that's pretty simple, the, the setup is. But if you have a good sound person, and then the, they will find the best places to put the mic to pick up the audience the best. For Christian Finnegan's special, again, we were lower, low budget. We didn't have a sound person. So this is what I did. What I did was I took, uh, I took an cell phones and recorded audio of the audience with cell phones planted in the audience. I planted two cell phones also. I used the audio tracks from the cameras as, as also recording. So we, had, so we had cameras. We had, I think, like three cameras, three main cameras. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three main cameras, and then those cameras were recording. So one main camera was like in the back of the audience. One camera was to house right. One camera was to house left. And so though, so that audio was being recorded all around. So I put the cell phones in the middle front and the middle back of the audience. So that, so that now you've got three recordings that are taking place in the middle. A cell phone in the front. Uh, front middle of the audience, a cell phone in the middle middle of the audience, and a camera in the back middle of the audience. And then on the house right and house left were also cameras, and we used those audio tracks too. So in the end, we had we had five different uh, recordings of the audience. And so that was enough. That was enough so that we could get a pretty good mix. Now, if you click on that if you click on that uh, trailer that we put in the comments, you can actually hear the audience. That that isn't, but the trailer isn't actually a perfect mix because that was before we had the sound professionally mixed. But uh, you can still hear that the audience is very clear and uh, Christian's voice is very clear with that complete setup. How uh, often do you mm-hmm. use the sound picked up from a camera in an end product? Um. Very often, actually. In fact, in fact, there's never, I, as far as like a, as far as like a uh, production for, uh, for comedy, uh, there's never been a time when I've completely ignored the audio on the camera, no matter what the budget, because sometimes uh, it's just picking up something just right, and then usually the cameras are right over somebody's head, and if you're lucky, it's over some person who just cannot control their laughter and so it's great to just snag that audio so there's never been a time when i've absolutely ignored the audio from the cameras i mean if you've got great audio recorded through better mics yes lean on that instead but there's never been a time when i've completely ignored it because it just helps fill out the sound of an audience being there it's great and uh that is so for sound setup for sound setup, we talked about that. Uh, if there are any questions about sound, why don't you ask them right now? But I'm just going to go over it one more time. Uh, we recorded. We have a camera. I mean, not a camera. We have a question. <laughs> we have a camera. We have a camera. Uh, the question yeah. I'm going to put up on screen hmm. from John Reynolds: Are y'all using the built-in mics for the cameras or external add-on mics? Uh, when we are recording for. Uh, 
when we were recording Christian Finnegan's, we just used the built-in mics on the camera. The reason that we didn't do add-on mics because uh, it costs extra money to buy those add-on mics, and they weren't the primary source of sound. The cameras were secondary. And, and when we were recording the audience, it's not necessary to have like the best mics on the audience all the time. It's just you need mics that are good enough so that you can hear the audience clearly. And that's all we needed. We didn't have to record external mics. If you're going to buy external mics, then uh, put the external mics, which are better, on a good recorder rather than using the cameras for cameras for that. I mean, I suppose you could, but the problem with having an external mic hooked up to a camera is that every once in a while, you're also going to get the movement of the camera on the mic. I don't care how expensive the mic is that the camera is moving around or you've got like, you know, a big chicken eating cameraman who's farting all the time. You know, you're going to pick those sounds up. So just put your mic somewhere else. If you're going to buy an external mic or, or rent an external mic or whatever, put it somewhere else. Don't put it on the camera. You sound like What's you up? have experience with that happening. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Um, so one more we're going to go over the just the sound setup one more time before I move on to uh, cameras specifically. So the sound setup uh, for Christian Finnegan, we recorded one mic, uh, one, one, sorry, the performance mic hot and the performance mic low. So like high gain, low gain on the performance mic, two recordings. And then two cell phones were in the audience. Uh, and then we also use the, uh, for also audience audio, just the raw audio from the cameras. All right. Now let's talk about cameras. Cameras. Boo, 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 boo. Cameras. This is a camera. Yeah, that is a camera. Uh, so now here's the thing. You can actually do some pretty decent recordings with some cheap, cheap cameras if your sound is good that is that's really the biggest part of uh the production like in fact we just shot a video recently where we shot like half of it with a good camera and half of it on a phone but we had good sound so the video looks and sounds awesome not because the video quality is amazing but because people associate a certain type of sound with videos being good and or professional and so the fact that we had good sound on 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 phone audio i mean phone video like it it sold it and i'm talking about the nyc talent show promotional video that we shot in the park i was wondering if that was the one yes that is uh definitely the one uh so so you can use cameras of very different kinds i think at the very least if you can get your hands on them use dslrs at the very very least because dslrs can give you an image that is uh cinematic and so if you can at the very least get dslrs then get them the problem with dslrs there's a lot of problems that you can have with dslrs so for instance like one thing with the dslr is a lot of them are set up so that they don't uh do continuous recording um and they turn off every 29 minutes or 30 minutes. The reason for that, unfortunately, fortunately is because of the tariffs. So when, when cameras come into the company, the country, if they are categorized as video cameras, the tariff is higher than if they're categorized as a steel camera with video capabilities. So the manufacturers crippled the cameras, a lot of them, by making them only able to record 30 minutes at a time. Wow. So if you do have DSLR cameras, you need to check on that. I mean, that's, it, you can still work with that because, f for instance, you can, you can have somebody stop and start a recording at specific times. And if you've got multiple cameras, just don't do all the cameras at the same time. And as, as long as you have something to cut to, then you can, uh, you, that, that, that can be fine. Another thing is there are certain brands of DSLRs where they do continuous recordings and it's not a problem. I have a Sony A7S uh, II. No, Sony A7. I have a Sony A7S II or one. I'm not sure. It's a Sony A7S brand, but that brand of camera can do continual recording. I guess they just went for it because they knew it was going to be used for video. Um, so it, those, those type of cameras can be used for continuous recording. For Christian Finnegan, we did not use DSLRs. We used... Uh, cinema cameras. Um, 
the cameras that we used, I'm trying to remember exactly what the brand of the cameras were. I don't remember. Uh, they, we rented, did we rented Canon C100s or C300s? That sounds familiar, but I Maybe. cannot verify. I could probably, I mean, if you really wanted me to, I could dig through emails because I never delete emails, but. Oh, well, if you can find it while we're talking, then go right ahead. Let's just so see. that people will know. So uh, she's going to be digging through emails. So maybe we'll find out the answer. But anyway, so uh, with cameras, with cameras for, we rented cinema cameras and we didn't rent them from a large company. We rented them from individual users. There is a website called ShareGrid. If you are a person who wants to do something with a camera, there's a website called ShareGrid, which is a peer-to-peer -peer rental system, but they they set up everything so that you don't have to deal with things like insurance. They'll handle the insurance for you. So if you're, you're a person with a camera, like you're a filmmaker, you've got a camera sitting around, you can put your equipment up on ShareGrid and then rent it to people. And then people can people can uh, rent your cameras through that website and then the website will say provide insurance so that it's covered so that the person who is renting the camera doesn't have to cover the insurance the website does it but everything's insured and so it's like renting something professionally they they take it up a level and make it professional so that you can rent from strangers and they know that their equipment is going to come back safe or they'll be paid for it so uh, ShareGrid is a great site to know. You should look it up. Not only, I think they expanded, so not only are people renting things, but you can also just like get people to do things for you. You can say, hey, come out and shoot this for me. And you can actually just like hire small crews off of ShareGrid as well. I haven't done that yet, but I'm definitely going to utilize it at some point because, um, you know, when you need a crew, uh, you need a crew. That's just the way it is sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Right, I know. So, I found I found something. I don't know if it's the correct one, but I found a URL to a Sony PXW FS7 II uh, 4K right. camera. Okay, so here's what's happened. So we were going to use the Canon's C300 and C100 because they're an easy match. But one of the one of the uh, one of the shooters actually owned a Sony camera, so then we rented matches to that camera. So. Yes, so we were starting out with the, but the, but they're, the Sonys are, the Sony cameras are, I think, are a, a few steps above the Canon C300s and C100s, uh, but they're comparable. I mean, they, they both can be used to shoot movies, actually, so it's not really that big of a deal. Um, but yeah, so we rented those from ShareGrid, and I think that we were able to rent cameras, I mean, pretty cheaply. I think we were able to rent cameras for like under $200 each. So uh, that's that, great. That's a great price. I agree. It is a great yeah. price. And we were able to rent cameras for under $200 each with insurance. So we were able to shoot uh, high-end 4K visuals um, for this special for not a lot of money, which is fantastic. Would you recommend shooting most comedy specials like this in 4K? I would say that if you have the ability to shoot in 4K, you should because when you're getting to the part where you're going to sell it, a lot of people will ask you, is your production in 4K? Because that's the way um, a lot of, uh, it, it just that's the way the technology is going, like higher and higher resolutions. And 4K is future-proof right now. Although, who knows, the future might be 6K, 8K. Actually, the future is probably not 6K or 8K. I don't know if you know this, but your eyes can't tell the difference after a certain amount of resolution. It's It's just more than your eyes can discern, so... Yes, but I the think, consumer likes to see better and higher. I mean, they want to know. They yeah. like they would love to be like, oh, I'm watching it in 8K, but, right. you know, it, it, if you're watching it on, even on a giant television, like uh, like a 90-inch television, like, like you can't tell like the yours? difference between 4K and 8K. Yes, I do have a giant television. Uh, everybody, I've got a, I got a giant TV because I made a game show and there was a giant TV as part of the set. When the game show wrapped, I took that shit home. Nice. Nice. All right. So cameras, uh, we, use the, we use the Sony FS7s and we match those. Or is it FSW? Whatever, whatever the call you. numbers are. FS7. Great. 
FS7. Okay, we use the Sony FS7s. Uh, cinema cameras are great. If you're going to use a cinema camera, make sure you use a cinema camera that is an easy setup and run steadily. For instance, you might not want to use red cameras uh, for this kind of thing because red cameras are not always the best cameras for like a, a documentary style setup and continuous running. Red cameras uh, will sometimes shut down or they have technical issues. It, it's not always. Red cameras have come a long way. That's what they're known for at first uh, when they're shooting uh, as cinema cameras. But even now, like I know because we shot uh, Bring Back Laughs on uh, red cameras, diff a lot of different varieties of red, red Komodos, um, and the red, is it the Snapdragon? I forget what that, no, the is Snapdragon red is. Is red a brand? Red is a brand of camera, yes. We shot, a, we shot a bunch of stuff for Bring Back Laughs on reds. And then even those cameras, even though they were high-end cameras and high-end users, every once in a while the cameras would just like shut down when they, we didn't want it to shut down. Wow. Yeah. But it looked beautiful. It did. <laughs> it looked amazing. It does. It looks but, great. But I would say if you've got the, if you got the budget for it and you can shoot on those cinema cameras, then shoot on the cinema cameras. Uh, go to a place like ShareGrid. For Christian Finnegan, what we did was we had three of the Sony cameras that matched, one on house right, one on house left, and no, actually we had we had four because we had oh, two yeah, in the back. Oh yeah, because I was thinking about like the the high up shot. No, no, right? no, 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 no. I'm not thinking about that. I'm also thinking about we we did have we did have we have four in the back. We had do we have four or no? We had three, but yeah, we I had the three. There, I was thinking we had four because we have close shots and wide shots. But I think that what we did was. We shot higher resolution with the back camera so that we could make close-ups and stuff. That's also a trick. Like if you do have one camera that shoots in extremely high resolution, like 6K or 8K, then you can shoot a medium shot. But when you're editing it without losing resolution, when you're exporting in 4K, then you can have a medium shot or a close-up shot from the same shot because you can zoom in on your timeline without losing resolution if you're exporting in 4K. That's good to know. Yeah, same thing with like 4K and HD. So like if you're exporting in HD and you shoot in 4K, you can create other size shots from one shot. And so we did that a lot. That's actually that's actually a great thing to know. And and in fact, yeah. and in fact, like I am I did tell you that like you should shoot in 4K if it's available, but there are a lot of platforms which only want HD. Or if you're shooting this for yourself, you don't need to to do it more than hd if it's if you're not trying to put it on some other platform at the end like you don't need to shoot more than hd and in fact there are a lot of platforms which take take hd but some platforms will say 4k or no way for instance well, like if you're trying to get it on netflix you better shoot it in 4k why not shoot in 4k uh it is harder to manage uh it takes up more space it's more expensive in general mm. so shooting in 4k means you gotta buy more drives uh, you have to have a faster uh, computer in general. You don't have to, but you, you, you. It would be it would help if your computer yes, could. Yes, speaking from experience, sing. if yes. your processor isn't doing it, it's not going to happen. Exactly, and so, yep. uh, and so, with when you, and also when you're shooting with Christian Finnegan's thing because of the budget, we also could not have a live monitoring system okay so with a lot of with a lot of productions like in bring back laughs we set up all the cameras uh there is a director's tent and we're feeding all of those camera uh camera feeds to the director's tent so that the director can see exactly what each camera is doing can tell each camera do this now do that now zoom in pan over there blah 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 and the director can communicate uh with uh christian finnegan's thing we didn't have that luxury. So instead I had to tell the camera people how I wanted them to shoot. So each one of them had to shoot like their camera was the only, uh, was the only source. Meaning I had to sh make sure that each of them covered the show as best they could cover the show as if their camera was the only thing available because that might be the case because if one of the other cameras goes down we won't know until the end i mean the camera people will try to deal with it as best they can but we don't have that live feedback that is if you if you have the ability to have live feedback and see all the cameras and communicate with all the camera people camera people 
uh, and let your director talk back to the cameras, please do that. You'll be so happy. But if you don't, you have to give the camera people very specific instructions to make sure that they cover everything they need to cover. Uh, for instance, like there are cameras uh, right and left. We told them to, we, we want them always in medium shots or close-up shots. Uh, we told them to only gradually change their shot to never like snap zoom or anything like that. Because what happens if you if you let people change their shots, what they'll do is they'll get into a certain rhythm. And that rhythm usually comes when, say, uh, the comedian gets to its, uh, finishes a joke. So when the comedian finishes the joke, then the camera's like, oh, the cameraman's like, oh, that's a good section. I'll change. And if you, if you let them get into that rhythm uh, without telling them to only gradually change, then both cameras will do that at the same time. And so when one camera is, switch, one camera is making some sort of zoom change and the other camera is making some sort of zoom change, then you don't have anything to cut to. That sucks. So make sure you, make sure you tell them to treat it like their camera is the only camera and to only do gradual zooms if you don't have feedback. Uh, if you don't have a uh, station that the director can watch all the camera feeds. It's, Same thing with the back camera. They also did gradual changes from like uh, wides to mediums. Is yes? snap zoom the same as having a preset? Or is that just like the manual action of changing the shot really quickly? The manual action of changing the shot. A, a, a snap zoom is when somebody zooms quickly. Got it. So you don't want people doing that if like is because if the cameras all do that at the same time, then you have nothing to cut. To, you can cut right. to, and that is a problem. You'll see that on lots of, on lots of specials that are because I've seen a lot of low budget specials, and a lot of them make a lot of these camera mistakes, and you can see them all over the place, or they'll be or they they won't have planned their edit ahead of time, so they so the cameras will have all similar shots. Because the cam they don't have feedback, and then they didn't coach the camera people, so all the cameras have similar shots, so they're just cutting back and forth to these shots that look exactly the same, and it kind of makes their... I mean, I, I think it looks like trash, but... <laughs> but, uh, I mean, they but can still also be funny like comedians, an, but it can look like trash. You're what? also not an average consumer. No, I'm not an average consumer. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a comedian who is also a filmmaker who also directs comedy specials on top of that so i have a very specific taste and i can take a low budget and make it look like it's a lot and so when i see people who are working with a low budget in fact i've seen people work with budgets bigger than i have worked with on some of the projects that i worked on and do worse yeah. just because they didn't plan it well um when it's sometimes when it's people who because i've had people approach me and ask me to uh, work on their uh production and then i've told them what they need to do and then they chose to do it themselves rather than work with me. And then when I see the results and it's crappy, I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, should have listened to me. Anyway, so, <laughs> so uh, coach those camera people. We had three, we had three uh, high-quality cameras, and then we also had just DSLRs shooting extra footage. We had someone like who's roaming around shooting random footage of the audience, shooting from... Uh, a rooftop because it was like outside so he was like shooting through a window and shooting people on balconies who were watching the show and and so we just cut that footage in uh whenever we could when i did the awkward comedy show um we had cinema cameras shooting the performance uh, that was a special that i shot that had uh eric andre hannibal Bress, um and it was on comedy central so we we shot that show with cinema cameras but then i handed out basically like handy cams uh, tiny, tiny crappy HD cameras to all the actors and so, or to all the comedians. So there's lots of footage of us backstage, just like shooting each other and goofing around that would, I, that I shot, that I used to kind of like fill up the, uh, the soft story part of that thing. Cause it was like a, that was a combination of performance animation and then documentary pieces. And so the documentary pieces would have a lot of this extra footage in. It's always good to just like have extra footage. And so if you've got somebody who can just shoot rando extra footage, not even somebody you pay a lot, just like a friend who wants to just shoot something, just let them shoot because maybe you'll use it. Maybe you won't make sure you're covered with the professional cameras and then let them shoot whatever. And then pull, um, little pieces of, uh, joy out of whatever they shoot. I've done it I like, plenty of time. I like to think of myself as a B roll expert. I, uh, I work with you. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen your B roll. I yeah. do not think of you as a B-roll expert. <laughs> Just saying, you're learning. 
You're not an expert. Well, uh, different opinions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Different opinions. Different opinions. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, so that's for cameras. If you have more questions about cameras, uh, let me know right now, but I'm just going to rehash that one more time very quickly. You can shoot uh, the lowest level of camera you should probably shoot with is a DSLR. You can do it with your phone or whatever like that, but I would say a DSLR is better um, because the phone is harder to get a good image out of. Um, if you can rent cinema cameras, uh, you can rent ones for like 150, 200 a day. I would shoot with three cameras at least. So that's the lowest number of cameras I would shoot with. With Christian Finnegan's, we had three cinema cameras and two DSLRs, so we had five cameras, but I would shoot with three at least. Uh, you could go to ShareGrid to rent cameras from other filmmakers in your community. Um, that's uh, the camera biz, everybody. Camera, camera, camera jamma. Camera jamma. How much time have we done so far? We, are we, uh, oh, crap. We were just like, go, this is a long episode. It's supposed to be short. What happened? Uh, you were talking. Oh, you're talking. We also started a little bit late. You started a little bit late. On your I... butt. All right, now uh, let's so let's get through the other parts, which are lighting, lighting location, and then uh, we may have to make selling an, an epi the episode for next week. We'll, we'll talk in depth about selling because well, we'll, we, well, let's let's keep talking about making, and and then we'll do as much as we can about selling before we reach that uh, five o'clock mark. We're gonna give it a shot, everybody. We're doing what we can. All right, so. Uh, Lighting. Lighting is probably um, one of the easier parts if you're shooting in a venue that is already set up for performance. If you're shooting in a venue that's already set up for performance, then you probably don't have a lot to uh, worry about. The main thing that I think is people's biggest problem is uh, consistent lighting for performances. A lot of times people will just, people who are working on a low budget will uh, set up, I've got something in my eye, I think it's like an eyelash. Don't look at this, everybody. This is the worst. I'm looking right. at you right now. So a lot of times people will set up their cameras and they'll perform on the stage and they're like, this must be good. We perform on this stage all the time. But most stages have patches of good light and there's areas where there is not good light. The easiest way to solve that problem is with a spotlight. A spotlight, you can rent a spotlight for a day for like 50 bucks okay if you're in a spotlight you can just aim it at the stage if you have somebody to operate the spotlight great it's really easy to teach a moron to operate the spotlight just say slowly follow me just don't jerk it around just slowly follow wherever the performer walks and, that, and that's enough uh if you don't have anybody to operate it just make the spotlight wide so it covers the whole stage because if you have a spotlight then you know that you will have good lighting on the performer's face at all times. You need that. You want that. Do that. The spotlight can also be set up so that it's not super bright. You can make it dim so you can have like a cinematic feel, but just make sure you have light enough so that you can see the details and expression on your performer's face at all times. Um, you now, can... What? I was just going to mention, though, that with Christian Finnegan's special, we were outside in a space that is not, you know, as performance ready as an indoor venue. Correct. Correct. And so for Christian Finnegan's, uh, well, I, I'm continuing about the lighting setup, but but uh, also one other thing I just wanted to mention, which is if you're in a place with patchy light or, or you have a spotlight and there's areas where you want the talent to stand... It's not a problem to walk the talent out before the shoot and show them the marks on the floor where they're not supposed to walk out of or what, however you want to set it up. I wouldn't set up high contrast marks like I wouldn't put white tape on a black stage, but I would put black tape on a black stage and then show them earlier where that black tape is so they can see exactly where they're supposed to be in and where they're not supposed to be in so that, so that they know where to find their light. Sometimes you can tell people who are professionals to find their light. doesn't always work, but it always works. Just walk people out there and show them where they can and can't be. Uh, you definitely want uh, that light on people's faces correctly. If you're also in, those also in those venues, you want to check out 
<clears throat> excuse me, you want to check out how the background is set up. I brought in a lighting consultant when uh, shooting Christian Finnegan's uh, special because we were shooting in a backyard because it was during the pandemic. We shot outside. So we did do it have, is that me? Is that my stomach? I'm just kidding. No. I mean, it was a motorcycle. So we did have a, we did have a small lighting setup because I, I owned a couple of lights and we also uh, rented a couple of lights. Oh, no, no, no. We didn't rent a couple of lights, but we did have the, um, the director of photography. He brought in a couple of lights uh, to uh, set it up. And then we had a lighting consultant who I hired somebody as a lighting consultant to go out first. And that was actually pretty easy because I, it was a guy who was a professional lighting consultant and just like said, hey, would you come out and look at this setup before we shoot and give me your advice for like a hundred bucks? And they did. He lived near there. He went down. He looked at the setup and he said, you should do this, this, this. And I was like, great. I told that to the director, director of photography like weeks before we shot so that he knew what we were going to need. He said, I have these lights. And I was like, I've got these lights. We put them all together. Boom. You can rent lighting kits and you can actually buy super cheap, cheap lighting kits. I was actually using stuff from a cheap lighting kit, um, uh, LED panel lights that I bought that were like, I, that came with like three lights for 150 bucks or something like that. And I just use them on everything now because they're like, they're sturdy build, they're metal. I'm using one right now. It's lighting my face. Uh, uh, you can, you can do the same thing. Lights are actually pretty cheap. You just have to kind of look into it. But anyway, that the, the thing that was most important was the, the talent was lit from the front, the background was lit well because you're going to see that background and that's going to fill your frame besides your talent most of the time. Some people pay no attention to the background. You can actually look at a bunch of specials online. Just look at, just go on YouTube and, and search for full comedy special. You'll see a lot of comedy specials that people have made themselves where they just did not care what was in the background. And so there's just like old flyers in the background. It just doesn't look... Like if you want to make something that for a low budget that is good enough to sell to a network, just care about that stuff and go over it and make sure that it happens. Uh, one other thing that uh, a lot of people don't think about is a backlight. It really, really helps if you have a light that separates your talent from the background, like like puts a line a line of light over their shoulder and around their a halo around their head. If you've got something like that that really makes them pop, that's great. You're, you're especially going to want to use that if you've got a dark background and talent that wears dark clothes. You can tell talent to all wear light clothes, but that you can't tell all talent to not have dark hair. <laughs> if you've got that light, then you, you're covering all the bases. All right, so uh, I guess I guess because of time, I just want to keep... Um, I just want to keep moving and, and talk about the venue a little bit. Uh, you can shoot, I think, a special that looks good just about anywhere. It really is all about, it really is all about just doing a little bit of work ahead of time and seeing what looks good on camera. And I used an app on my phone, and I forget what it's called, but it's an app where you can you can mimic the lenses of any camera. So basically you can punch in what kind of camera you're using, what kind of lens, and then it'll zoom your phone into that and show you exactly what the lens would be. And so I use that. I, I took the talent out uh, days before the shoot or maybe weeks before the shoot actually. And I used that app to set up shots that I liked. And then I programmed in a Sony camera and then I looked at the lens and I said, this shot looks good. This is, this is uh, an 80 millimeter lens or this shot looks good. This is a hundred millimeter lens or this shot looks good. This is a 50 millimeter lens. And then I showed those uh, pictures to the director of photography and uh, he was able to match that. If you do not have a director of photography, it's not hard to come up with good shots. What you need to do is talk to somebody at least who knows how to shoot if you don't know how to shoot or if you're autodidactic you can learn how to shoot how, how to shoot from youtube videos it's actually not hard to figure it out the lighting three point the basics of three-point lighting are very simple the basics of cinematography are also very simple 
the the thing that you want to do more than anything is know how to match your cameras. So you want the cameras to all be on the same ISO. You want the cameras to all have the same shutter angle. You want the cameras to have the same uh, the same color temperature balance or white balance on the cameras so that they they all match one another so that you're not trying to cut back and forth between cameras that look wildly different. Uh, that's probably one of the major things that will save you because the I've rest made that mistake. Be... Oh, I believe it. Yeah. Miss, uh, miss, uh, master of B roll. Uh, <laughs> but that can, but that, but all of that can uh, be handled. I mean, uh, if you do that, if you do that, if the cameras match, then you can easily change them on mass in post-production, which is, uh, but if your cameras are all different and they're really don't match at all, then it's going to be much harder to do that. Um, I've used, I've used a phone and other cameras and because I matched them, uh, I was able to, I was able to cut back and forth, uh, pretty liberal with them. All right. So, uh, because of the time it is, I want you to know that if you've got questions, please ask right now. I'm going to talk about selling a, uh, selling your uh, work really quickly, but I think next week we'll do a little more in depth. Does that sound fair, Rachel? I think that's a great idea. Rachel, do you care about anything? Yes. Okay. I care right. so much. You do? I do. All right. Um, does the LMSW stand for let me see what, and then there's no answer. Uh, from whom? I don't know. I don't know. All right. Uh, so let's talk about, so this is something that a lot of people don't know is that there are literally hundreds of channels that are looking for content that want to buy your special. I'm not kidding. Um, what audience shots question. how do y'all how do y'all get audience shots in typical stand-up lighting uh that's a good question and let me let me answer that real quick uh before i go on to selling uh two ways i would suggest getting audience shots uh one just have a crappier camera that is shooting your audience uh some people like to light the audience a lot i don't like to light them as much i like the audience not to be lit Okay. As because that's the way I experience the audience in a comedy club, and I think that that uh, I mean, if it's a big venue, then sometimes I'll throw a little bit of light on the audience because in a big venue, people are used to the idea of being able to see the audience faces. But if it's a small venue, I usually like to not to light the audience specifically. So I would just take I would just take a crappy camera and point it at the audience and not waste your good cameras on the audience. Also. Or there's another thing to do. If you have an opener, what you can do is you can uh, shoot the opener and then turn the cameras on the audience while the opener is performing. If the opener is not part of the final production and then get all those shots of the audience laughing and whatever during the opener and then use those shots if you need them in uh, your performance later. I'm, I, I, if you notice like a lot of the things that I make, there's not a lot of shots of the audience and things that I make because I, I, when you are, when I am trying to emulate how you feel when you go to a show and when you go to the show, most of your attention is on the performer almost all the time. And so, uh, the, the way that they make cookie cutter geniuses, John, why thanks. Uh, the way they make cookie cutter specials is they'll cut to an audience, uh, on laughs or someone will mention something about Asian people on stage and then they'll cut to an Asian person in the audience to show you that it was okay. I don't do that. I just, I just like to create the, I like to create the experience of being at the show as much as possible. My very first special that I made, I think had, I think no audience shots actually. What was your it, first special? The awkward comedy show, the one with oh. uh, Eric Andre and Hannibal, that one had no audience shots, but we 
we still got the feel of the audience because we had the audience uh, in most of the shots. Like we were shooting with the audience dirtying up the bottom of the uh, frame. And by what, when I say dirtying up the frame, that just means that you you don't have a clean shot of your subject. There's something in the frame in the foreground. And so in the foreground was the audience, the audience faces. So you see their heads and you'd, you'd see them looking back and forth at each other. Maybe there were a couple of, couple of audience shots in that, but really most of that special was all, uh, was, was all like, the people on stage, which I think is important. John says, I'm a genius, Rachel. I'm happy for you. Did anybody say you were a genius so far in this uh, podcast? Well, who knows if he was calling you a genius or me a genius? Because after, after all, after all, I am point. the B-roll expert. In yeah, the room. yeah, you are. You are the B-roll expert. <laughs> so you admit it. Um, I admit that you think you're the B-roll expert. Yes. <laughs> All right, so then, so I so there there are hundreds of channels that want your special. For every Netflix, there are fifty Netflix wannabes. And yes, I get that you do want to sell your thing to Netflix. Netflix is harder to get into. Why? Because everybody wants to be on Netflix. If you if you have uh, an agent and or connections, then it's much easier to get in the door of Netflix. Still hard to sell to Netflix though. Um, because Netflix now has such a machine going that like they don't need they don't need most media right now. They have stand, they basically they're sucking up showrunners, they're sucking up uh directors and they're just giving them huge deals. Uh if you look at people like I mean on the on a large scale like Zack Snyder He's got deals. He's got like several uh, movies uh, that he's producing and directing on Netflix coming up. Uh, on a smaller scale, there's a lot of uh, showrunners. Um, what's the woman's name? Who is the the uh, what's her name? The first black showrunner. She's like she's like a black showrunner. She's just like killing it. She has so many shows. I I wish I could remember what her name is, but she got an overall deal with Netflix. They, I mean, they're doing that constantly now. They're just like giving overall, like anybody who's hot, they're giving them overall deals to make multiple shows. They're going to, they're going out to talent and they're giving them, um, for the chance to direct their first feature. Like a lot of, like Brie Larson got a chance to direct her first feature because of Netflix. That's cool. They're just giving people deals because then when they give them a deal, they also get their name. And so they're just giving them giving people just money it's just like make what you want we'll put it out that's what netflix is doing over and over again anyway so where it may be harder to get in the door with netflix there are lots of people where you can get in the door oh that's correct thank you is it shonda no is it maybe it is shonda ryan that might be i think that might be it actually i think you might be right look her up look her up and see who exactly who shonda is because i think that might be right okay okay so uh but for every netflix there for instance, there's a company called Cinedime. I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard of Cinedime. I have. Yes, I know you have because uh, I'm actually we're actually talking to Cinedime right now. Yeah. But uh, there's a company called Cinedime that are act, they're actively just like looking for stuff because I mean they don't have the same budget as Netflix, but they have I think like ten different channels that they're trying to fill with stuff. So they've got ten different channels. Um, and they're just like constantly looking for stuff. And there are, if you look, if you look at, go to like the Roku, Roku TV, which has a bunch of channels, or go to Tubi, which has a bunch of channels, which is a, a free streaming service with a bunch of channels. All of those sub channels on Roku and Tubi and all that stuff, they're all looking for original material as well. There's so many channels out there. And I didn't know this until, until, until I would say like a few years back, um, I really started uh, producing myself and that led me to figuring out what was actually going on out there. I, I've spent a lot of time trying to do big sales. Like I want, you know, I want Netflix to write me a big fat check. I want HBO to write me a big fat check. Yes. And that's great. And I have had some success in that area, but I didn't realize how many other little things that I could be doing as well when I'm, cause I, if I, I'm a producer and the way that I make money usually is 
I will take an idea to another production company and then we'll make a deal together. And then that production company will be in charge now of going out and getting the big fish. But also I can make money by doing little productions, little productions with different companies. Uh, I don't, I actually don't want to do the, uh, heavy lifting of production if I don't have to. I'd rather be the idea guy. That's actually more fun for me. Uh, so I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to get a lot, to do a lot of uh, talking about, um, we didn't get to do a lot of talking about selling, but we're going to go into that in depth next week. So if you are a friend of Arts Academy podcast, go to uh, Arts Academy, or sorry, Arts Academy, is it artsacademy.com or arts academy? All right, arts Aca- no, altartsacademy.com or artsacademypodcast.com. No, wait. Wait. What is our URL? Uh, altartsacademy.com or go uh, to Alt Arts Academy on all social media. And then, and then, would, what do we buy for our URL? Is it Arts Academy Podcast? Oh my it's, gosh. How long all, have we not been doing the show? All, so altartsacademy.com is mm-hmm. a URL. Altartsacademy.com and Alt Arts Academy on all social media. And I think we also have Arts Academy Podcast, don't we? I am no? checking on that. Right. We do. Yes, we have Art, Art, <laughs> artsacademypodcast.com. Everybody, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been back. We haven't been spouting off the URLs, but we figured it out. Okay. Alt Arts Academy on all social media. Altartsacademy.com for our school, but artsacademypodcast.com for the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Please send us questions. We will answer them as much as possible. We'll see you back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel, so that we can just talk completely about uh, how to sell your comedy special. Roll in that Case study for Christian Finnegan. Ladies and gentlemen, case study for Christian Finnegan's Show Your Work, which comes out October 19th. So please check it out, download it, make it your fun time. Uh, That is the end of the show. Rachel, I must thank you greatly for being here. You're welcome. Uh, As a B-roll expert, it was my (laughs) pleasure to be here. (sighs) And everybody else, thank you for tuning in. Uh, especially John Reynolds with those excellent questions. Thank you so much. Let me know if you have any other questions that you want answered. We'll see you later on. This has been the Arts Academy podcast, and this is what a fart sounds like. You can find us at artsacademypodcast.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.